0: reading from Colossians chapter 3. With God's help, we can set our minds on heavenly things. This reading will also serve as the basis for today's sermon. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Thank you.
1: Dear family of God, have you ever leaned up against one of those rails at a carnival when you got your 20 rings in your hands and there's like 200 glass jars in front of you with their little nozzles staring at your face and you're supposed to throw the rings around the nozzles, clank, 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 clank. Well, there goes my five bucks. Or maybe you've, you've been there and, you know, you had a decent free throw percentage in your, uh, brief high school career and you're there at the line and this, you know, carnival guy's got the basketball, same regulation size, but I wonder if that hoop really is 10 feet, the standard, or maybe it's just a couple inches, you know, higher, or maybe the rim is squeezed in just a little bit, but I could do this. I can adjust and get that pure, you know, swish right through and be the one who walks away with the prize. Or you've warmed up the baseball in your hands with the weighted milk jugs on the stool across the way, and you're going to sling it as hard as you can to make sure that they all topple over and your kid can walk away with a giant teddy bear. Have you ever seen the one that's a ladder? like a suspended ladder that's all, that's pretty much horizontal but the trick is it's not anch- it's not anchored in two spots on both ends where you could keep your center of gravity over the the rope ladder instead it's fixed on one eh It's fixed in one spot. So really the center of gravity while you, you know, crawl your way across this thing has to be perfectly maintained in the one tightrope spot. You have to be a four footed, you know, tightrope walker to win the prize in that one. Good luck. I don't know about you, but there is this sense of it's rigged, right? There's this idea, and you can watch a YouTube and be forearmed and forewarned to not waste your $5 when you get to that spot and just gleefully pass it by and spend your $5 elsewhere. It's a waste of money, or most of the time. This is what they they thrive on. These kinds of you know little games that they set up feast on your overestimation of your expectation to succeed. That you overestimate your ability to succeed with your game, your toss, your ladder balance, that you you think, you assume that you can do this despite all the other people falling off or the clanks that you see on the glass jars over and over again. That's how they make their money. I guess you could say it's rigged. You could watch a YouTube on this ahead of time and pass by, right, and and not do it. How is it? When someone's born into this world, filled with promise and hope and life, right, Grant? And yet, what do we say? No, it's not. Something in a baptism that talks about forgiveness of sins? Sins. By what meets the eyes, no one on the planet says Grant is a sinner. By what meets the eyes, no one says this life is meaningless, meaningless like Solomon does. By what meets the eyes, I got a little muscle in my arm and a tiny brain in my head and I could probably pull off something with it, don't you think? At least if you give me 20 shots. We meet life with a grand overestimation of our own ability to succeed. And it's one of the things that saturates our sinful nature. is a complete overestimation of our own ability to please God and to do good in this world. Do you know? You know that there is not one person on the planet that is righteous for their own sake in God's eyes. Only, Only His Son. Only Christ. Okay? He can do the ladder. He can get the swish. Everybody else, it's just a mirage. As long as that ball is floating up in the air, I still have a chance. I'll still figure this out. I'll make it up to you. Life is a personal journey of exploration and opportunity, and we're still learning what really is up and what really is down. But as long as that ball floats in the air and it doesn't clank, there's still hope for you. As long as that little plastic ring is hovering over the glass bottles and hasn't yet clanked into despair then there's still hope for you that's what life is a grand rigged mirage it's Satan's game it's Satan's trick that would dangle the carrot in front of your eyes and paint a little brick road yellow and it's not really yellow and it doesn't end where you think it does we understand this right it's one of the reasons why we're here in this room as we don't expect to go bang, bang, hit this life upside the head and walk away with the teddy bear over our shoulders. We understand that it just is a mess. It's a mess of sin. I'm a mess of sin. My life has to be another. And that is the grand difference that Paul, the apostle, wants to bring before the Colossians again today. He wants us to understand how it is to live in reality with a hidden life. That I, from my baptism, I am going to come to a place as hidden. I'm going to come and celebrate a party that is hidden. I'm going to take all of my works and all of my thoughts and all of my best and I'm still going to drag it like the garbage that it is and bring it to Christ's cross in repentance and trust and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And here I rise. The myth of independent people, the myth of self-reliance, vanishes when scripture meets you at the ticket window and says, let me give you a tip. Don't waste your time relying on yourself. Don't live life, Mr. Independent. There's a God to go with, a divine caretaker to be by your side, Not just once in a while, but all the time. And the beauty of what the Apostle Paul has to say to us here in Colossians 3 is that he opens up the book of insider speak. And he says, you know this. This is what you confess when you confess your sins. This is what you confess when you confess your creed, that there is something of a beautiful hidden life. He uses the insider talk to an insider-like people so we can start here and then say, now what do we do with it? You know what you do? You pass by the games and you live in Christ all the wiser. We look at this section here and Paul says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. You see where we're coming from and where we're going? Since you've been raised with Christ, that's not saying, oh, well, we're in heaven right now? We've been resurrected from the dead? It's talking about the first resurrection. That's revelation speak. The second revelation is being raised from the dead and enjoying eternal life with our Lord forever. The first resurrection... Since you've been raised with Christ, Paul says, is being a believer. It's the faith, the grace you enjoy at your baptism and the faith that you hold in our Lord Jesus Christ as the only Savior. Since you've been raised with Christ, since the Holy Spirit has taught you about a holy God and your sinfulness, since the Holy Spirit has taught you about Satan who is now crushed and a Christ who has been crucified, And since the Holy Spirit has now taught you that there is a real heaven for you and a real hell, that's not for you for his sake. Since the Holy Spirit has taught you that since you've been raised with Christ, since you are in the know, set your hearts on things above There's a backdrop reality that the apostle would not have to open his mouth and say those words if we didn't struggle with the next step, with the setting our hearts on things above. I know who Jesus is. I know my sins are like filthy rags, and I know that my trust is only in him. Here is my hidden life. I will never be perfect. I will never show you perfection. I'm not the dictionary definition of a saint. But here, if you want to know who I am, I will always, through my life, I will take you right here, this this is who I am. My life is hidden with Christ and my God. But I struggle to take the next step and to set my heart there on things above where he is. So the apostle has to say, set your hearts on things above, not, not on earthly things. And the first way that he helps us is to put these things in two categories. Maybe a top and a bottom. Things above and earthly things. He helps us pin them down where they are instead of letting things get confused and muddy. He helps us pin it down and says, set your heart then on God's things. Set your heart on those truths you know about sin and a hell and about a curse under the law and about a real savior from there and the forgiveness of sins and joy in the gospel and an eternal paradise to enjoy someday. Set your hearts on those thoughts of God and how he views this, not on earthly things. You have a lot here that tempts you, and it tempts you with gimmicks, it tempts you with games, it tempts you to press that little button of overestimating your ability to succeed, that you can play with anger in your mind and not actually hurt anybody, that I can play with lust in my eyes and not actually commit a crime, Don't you notice in Paul's list, he gives two of them. He says, put to death this earthly nature, this whole bottom level, put it to death. You've done it before when you dragged your sins to the cross. Now keep doing it. Every decision, every thought, every word, every moment, keep putting it to death. This is what we do as we set our hearts up here and we put to death what's here. And his list is like this. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed that's idolatry, and later, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Maybe you're going to, at the bare minimum, avoid murdering somebody in your life and committing adultery in the middle of the street. There are laws that will handle you in the community's court if you do those things. But maybe these sins are listed because they're the ones that I can get away with. They're ones I can be less serious about. Community court doesn't deal with my lust, does it? Not if I keep it between my ears. Community court doesn't deal with anger. Not if I keep it inside my chest. Community court doesn't deal with greed. They don't know this about me. I can be less serious about that. I can play games with that fire. Since that's the way your sinful nature often wants to treat. little thoughts. let them be idle. let them be lazily handled. But Paul says, "Who are we? What are you confessing out of your mouth on a Sunday morning? Talk to that sin. Keep it in its place. Put it to death. It appeals to you like this fish flapping out of water. Help me. Reason with me. Make excuses to throw me back in the water. Set me free. I need help. No, it's a lie. It's a sham. It's a gimmick. It's rigged. That fish needs to die. That temptation gets you nowhere. How many times are you going to run around the same block? How many times are you going to go pay the same five bucks and throw more and more plastic rings at the glass bottles and not succeed? How many times are you going to play with anger and feel and sense inside this is getting nowhere and still I'm addicted to this madness? The Apostle Paul says, set our hearts somewhere and then put this to death. Keep it in its category. And it's just for this category that Christ came. It's another reason to keep these things in their pure own separated categories because by the sentence of the word, I'm dead in this. And every time I put this to death, I am putting to death a part of me. Me. Not some other sinner. I'm dealing with this sinner who dies just as much as I died and needed to die when i was baptized when i was baptized from cradle to grave sunrise to sunset i see myself in this category but in the light of god's word <laughs> he gives life to the dead what's the one category of people that can be raised But the category God calls out to of dead sinners and says, look at the life hidden, the life I have for you. Keep it in the category and run with your hidden life. The other way the Apostle Paul helps us with this is, besides the categories, he helps use this new language. He talks about an old self and a new self. And you kind of learn some things about the old self and the new self by the way he speaks here. He says, you have taken off your old self. Faith does this. I'm getting rid of the rags. I am nothing before God. Get rid of that. It's a rag and let it be burned. And I take it to the cross and I put on the robe of another. I put on the robe no one can see. I put on the robe of Christ's righteousness and I wear it. Right? You You have done this. Your faith has done this. You've taken off your old self with its practices, he says, and you've put on the new self that's being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Do you see what he's saying here? When he talks about the old self, the old self is all alone. The old self is just you. And as long as you think there's promise in you that ball's still up in the air, you have a false confidence and you will face God someday all alone. But what does he say about the new self? The new self is being renewed in the image of its creator. It's not alone anymore. And here he says, Christ is all and is in all. Hear the lies of who's a sinner and who's a saint, who's the slave and who's the free and social status. You're the Gentile, you're not circumcised, and we're circumcised and we're Jews. Here all of those things disappear because together you and I, we come crawling on our knees and we come to the same spot where Christ is everything to me and Christ is everything to you. Here Christ is all to us. And here I'm not alone. I have everything that he did for me because he says so. You need a mantra. You need a spiritual armor. You need a protocol. You need a defense mechanism. When the attacks come and the temptations come flying your way, you need a language to speak. And now you can say, that's dead. Put it to death. That's old. It's not just old in my former way of life. It's, it's outdated. It's obsolete. It's rendered useless with my spiritual armor. It is nothing to me. Put that in the evil museum, whatever that practice is. Put it in my, my past self that I never touch anymore. That closet I burn to the ground. Let me build an entirely different house. Let me build a life around this Christ. Let me live all together differently. It's something new. It's new because of him. And it's new every time I come back to him. So your attitude as you go out these doors is fresh and lively and new in the grace of God that I see what life is meant to be and it's side by side in my Lord Jesus Christ. And I wage a new battle in my attitude and when I lose in repentance, I remain consistent. And I say, but my life is still in him. And I run with my sorry little sins back to my Savior's feet and I claim the life that's mine. Hidden though it be. So there's always Christ. Christ, forward we go. And Christ, when we retreat back to the cross. And Christ, forward we go. And Christ, we retreat back and save us, Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters, don't live without it. Today is a new day. Here's your ticket. Enjoy the fare of the grace of God skip the gimmicks. Take a look at that sin for what it really is. You're all the wiser because of this scripture and this word. Pass it by. Call a spade a spade. Call sin sin and call your Christ your Christ and set your hearts on your hidden life. Amen.